Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a sergeant in one of the most violent cities in the United States and a school police department. And he's here to talk about how politicians are putting our children at risk. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from my old stomping grounds, Baltimore, Maryland. On the phone, Clyde Boatwright. Thanks for joining us, Clyde, on the Law Enforcement Today show. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Clyde, by the way, for sake of transparency reasons, I'm retired from the Baltimore City Police Department. Clyde is a sergeant in the Baltimore City Schools Police Department. And they're two different agencies, correct? Yes. So um, Baltimore City School Police um, has a uh, agreement uh, for concurrent jurisdiction with the Baltimore City Police that allows us to enforce all local, state, federal, and traffic laws um, within the city of Baltimore. And back in the day, when I was still on the job, they had a department, but it wasn't, uh, there's legalities in each state. But in Maryland, you had police officers or certified state troopers, county deputy sheriffs, and you had special police. And you guys were special police up until what year? So, yeah, uh, Baltimore City School Police was created in 1967. And from 67 to 1991, when then Governor William Donald Schaefer passed Senate Bill 550 to allow Baltimore City School Police to become a full-service police department. But when I was a rookie police, you know, I came from Southern Maryland up to Baltimore in 1980, and I had no idea. You think elementary schools are nice, calm, cool, collective places. You think that middle schools are you know, relatively calm, and the high schools might be a little sketchy every now and then. But the reality is, unless it's changed, and, and I don't want to pin you into a corner to say this, the middle schools where I worked in northwest Baltimore were extremely violent locations. Oh, yes. Um, In fact, when I first started, um, I began my career with the uh, Baltimore City Sheriff's Office. um, And, well, actually, I did one year um, as a uh, transportation corrections officer and then uh, two years with the City Sheriff's Office. So in 2003, when I came to school police, I was assigned to, which was at the time, one of the most dangerous uh, middle schools, Lombard 
slash Dunbar Middle. Oh yeah, um, back there. Yeah, so we had some really, really, really trying times back then to deal with some of the neighborhood disputes. I remember one of the most fierce um, incidents was like the Holbrook Street crew versus the Hope Street crew, which was like two East Baltimore streets that were in close proximity of each other, but they just had an ongoing dispute that spilled over into our schools. And, you know, all of these kids that were involved in that, they're all adults now, but, you know, 15, 16 years ago, you know, that was a really, really, really trying time in Baltimore. You know, and that's been that way for when I was a, a police from 1980 to 1992, Baltimore. And by the way, for those people listening in other parts of the United States, this type of thing is happening all over the United States. What happens in Baltimore is symptomatic of what's going on in a lot of Amer- major American cities and also counties as well. But back then, Baltimore was an extremely violent city, and it still is. It has one of the highest murder rates and highest rates of shootings of anywhere in the United States. Yes. I mean, the, the, our towns are, you know, it's unfortunately a war, a war town. Um, you know, a lot of disputes over drugs and, and um, drug real estate. Basically, you know, a lot of the drug dealers want to talk about, they want to deal with their conflict um, by, by using gun violence. Right. And, um, you know, our officers uh, that I represent uh, as the president of the Baltimore City School Police, Fraternal Order Police, a lot of these officers deal with these street conflicts, and we use the schools um, as a safe haven and, and as, um, for lack of a better term, um, a, a, a ground where, where peace should always be um, held while you're in school. That's, that's the safe place. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes the, the criminal element, uh, guys that are hell-bent on uh, causing harm and mayhem, they come up to the schools, and, and our officers have to engage them um, after school um, on the bus stops or in, in the surrounding community. That's in addition to all the other things that we're well aware of throughout the United States, school shooters, people who are intent on creating as much damage, inflicting as much trauma, killing as many people as possible, and schools become a very appealing soft target to these mental cases. Absolutely. Uh, you couldn't set it best. Um, you know, we had an incident recently in Baltimore um, where um, schools who have been traditionally soft targets or rumored to be soft targets in Baltimore, um, that was, and, and that's funny, that, let's talk about the uh, the incident that happened on Friday was as a result of some political issues that we have in our city where politics was in play over top of the safety of, of the staff and students of Baltimore. When we talked about earlier in the, in the interview how in 1991 school police became a full-service police department, there was one sentence inside the law um, that prohibited school-based officers from carrying their firearms during the school day. So if we fast forward to uh, September 11th, when schools were deemed to be soft targets, um, the chief of school police and the superintendent at the time uh, went to each of the school police officers and told them to arm themselves and have their weapons with them at all times in case they had to engage someone that was coming to attack a school. Exactly. I mean, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm a lot like you. Uh, the, the policing part of me doesn't go away, even though I've been retired a long time. If, if I had to go to a school for whatever reason, visit a, a, you know, a family member, and the, an active shooter came into that school trying to inflict as much harm on people as possible, I would physically try to engage that shooter, but I'd be forced to be unarmed 
because I'm retired police. I don't work there. So the school police in Baltimore, from courtesy of Baltimore City Hall and uh, City Council, has voted unanimously, unanimously that the city police school officers are to be unarmed while they're on school property. Well, here's the is thing. That, is that, that a, an understatement or is that you know, just a, 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 an accurate well, statement? Well, it's actually it's, it's a slightly a little inaccurate. The, the city council didn't take a vote. However, the vote was uh, from the Baltimore City School Board, okay. which is its own separate entity. So just like um, the analogy that you just gave, city police has to answer to the city council. Right. At the school system, school system employees, such as school police, we have to answer to the Baltimore City School Board, which is its own entity within the state of Maryland. The Baltimore City Board of School Commissioners is a part of city government. It's a quasi-state and city partnership but it has its own governing board. It's almost like a board of regents for gotcha. a local university. And that's um, why so it, it's that way in a lot of areas across the United States where you have school boards, and they're mostly elected people, and they carry a lot of weight. They carry a lot of power. Well, and, and it's funny. Um, most jurisdictions throughout the country have elected school board, or at least a partially elected school board. These appointees are appointed uh, strictly by the mayor of Baltimore, where in her first year in office, uh, she lobbied the state of Maryland uh, to have all four appointees um, from the mayor. And Governor Hogan, in his office, did not oppose that. They gave up the governor's two seat, uh, appointments uh, to the mayor's appointments. So the mayor uh, solely appoints this, this board at this point, and they, they make the decisions as it relates to the day-to-day operations of the Baltimore City School System. And we're going to take a short break. We are talking with Clyde Boatwright. He is a sergeant in Baltimore City School Police Department, also president of FOP Lodge Number 5, I believe, is in Maryland. We're going to talk more about school safety. We're going to talk about the incredible handicap that has been placed upon these school police officers. And it's not just in Baltimore. This is happening in other areas across the United States. So if you're not in the Baltimore area, think it doesn't affect me. It does. We're going to talk more about the responsibilities of what they do. All that and more coming up in Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786. 800-932-1786. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. 
call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603-800-451-8603-800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Returning to our conversation with Clyde Boatwright on the Law Enforcement Today show. Uh, Clyde is a sergeant in Baltimore City School Police Department. Uh, Thanks for calling us on the show. Very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm loving the conversation. Well, it's, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And having worked in the Baltimore City Police Department, uh, which is a, a different jurisdiction, a different agency, the mayor picked the police commissioner and city council had some say over how police departments run. With you guys, it's the school board who determines how things are done in the schools in Baltimore City and also in other parts of the United States. Yes, and um, so... Yes, we have a our own uh, police chief and command staff that's uh, appointed by the uh, in, in Baltimore City. We're unique. Um, the superintendent of Baltimore City Schools uh, holds the distinct title of CEO. Uh, they went to this chief executive officer. They went through this uh, to this business model years ago, and so we're the only jurisdiction in the state of Maryland that has a CEO as opposed to a superintendent. So, yes, that's that's the, the Baltimore way of doing business. The Baltimore way of doing business. I'm not even going to get in that conversation because people who are not, who have not lived or worked in Baltimore, uh, and I, I, I realize the sensitivity, so I'll say some things that you do not have to respond to. Baltimore has a unique way of doing things, and they have had problems with abuses of authority and uh, you name it, and it's just it, – it, defies logic. Now, I'm not just talking about the school system. I'm talking about all across Baltimore City. And it's been that way 
for as long as I can remember. And I'm unfortunately think it's going to be that way for a long time to come. And that's also occurring in many parts of the United States. What's not unique about Baltimore is the fact that you have many places call them school resource officers. You have school police officers. And basically, you said in the early part of the interview, but if you reiterate, what are the responsibilities of the Baltimore City school police officers? So our primary responsibility is to provide a safe and secure learning environment for staff, students, teachers, and visitors. We do that in a a number of ways. We have uh, internal foot patrols inside of the buildings. Uh, We have external uh, mobile patrols. So we have um, multiple um, officers in each section of the city. So we break our our city down into um, seven geographical areas. Um, We call them sectors as opposed to districts, how there's nine district police districts in the state of Maryland. I mean, in the city of Baltimore, Mm -hmm. we have seven sectors. Um, and each sector has a sergeant, a corporal, uh, and multiple patrol units. And then you have your school-based officers that are inside of the middle and high schools. Um, we had initially, um, at our highest, at our peak, we had 142 officers. Um, we are now uh, down to a maximum staffing of 105 officers. That's not a lot for the amount of area you got to cover. Right. Yeah, That's it's not a lot at all. Um you know, especially this is a 24-hour operation. So we, you know, we have evening shifts that respond to uh, alarm calls. And when people ask, well, why do you guys work 24 hours when schools close? Well, we have 180 buildings, um, uh, well, 180 schools and 192 buildings to protect throughout the city. Um, so at some point each night, somebody is either doing something that they're not supposed to do at one of these particular locations or, in fact, we, you know, have for years had different burglary rings that, yep. you know, decide to break into a school. And, and if you could think anything that's inside of your house is inside of a school, anything, DVD players, uh, you know, CD players, radios, flat screen TVs, computers, iPads, and all of those different things. So we, you know, our nighttime response unit, which was how we got our start in 1967 as the alarm response unit of the Baltimore City Schools the night watchmen, as they were called. Um, so our night response unit goes around um, and, and make sure that, you know, people are not trying to break into schools or, or damage the school property. You could run that part with the least amount of officers, but still they have 105, but then provide, you know, internal security and keeping the children safe uh, from outsiders and whether they be you know, terrorists, domestic terrorists or uh, criminal gangs uh, is a, is a, Awesome responsibility. Also, to keep the peace when they have rival gangs in schools is difficult at best as well. And please tell your your men and women that I said thank you very much for your service. And same to you because that's that's a thankless job. Thank you, thank you. We really appreciate the support. Um, you know, our, our focus. You know, we have a lot of people um, that have had experience in other law enforcement agencies, and like I explained, I, I was one. I came. Um, from the city sheriff's office to school police. And my first assignment, like I said, was at Lombard uh, and Dunbar Middle. Um, I was at Lombard for about two months, and and then I went to Dunbar Middle. So I I always lumped them together because there's only about three or four uh, city blocks that separate them. So the officer that was down there at, at Lombard at the time, we had this unique relationship. He's a childhood friend of my father's. And he was somebody that, you know, helped and counseled me when I was 
a, a uh, school age student going through um, the changes of life of, you know, right. being 15, 16, and you just needed to find your way. And, you know, I remember having conversations with this person who eventually became my partner um, when I first came to school police. But, you know, the men and women of school police have a commitment um, to ensuring the safety. Uh, and it's like we build these unimaginable relationships with students. Um, you know, while at Lombard, I mean, at Dunbar Middle, there was an, uh, an opportunity where they sent out an internal memo and said, hey, look, you know, Officer so-and-so is actually moving uh, to another agency in another state. Um, so there's a vacancy, and it happened to be at my high school that I attended uh, when I was a student. And I called, you know, respectfully asked for the chief of police to give me an opportunity to, to go back to my high school and give back. And it was interesting that uh, once that change was made and I, I was brought up there to the school, the principal, my high school principal, who whose name is on my high school diploma, was still the principal at the time. And he and I, I mean, he remembered me as a student because I was a student athlete. I played uh, two sports there. Okay. And we talked about, you know, just having an alumni in the building that has gone through the same things that those actual those students are going through. And um, that was one of the things that helped me uniquely build a relationship with uh, the students when I found, when I first got there. And then eventually, because I was a former basketball player and, um, you know, pretty good at, in, in the sports arena, I became the basketball coach um, at, my, at my alma mater. And that helped me further enhance the relationships that I had as a school police officer because I was able to, to, to keep my hands on the athletes and, and also be respected amongst the other kids that, uh, that were friends with the athletes. And I think that's important because that contradicts a lot of stereotypes people have about police officers being in schools. They don't seem to realize, and I don't even realize, the extent of the relationships they have with the children. Yes, yes. I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about some of the, the other guys like, um, you know, Detective Coldfield, who was a detective with school police, who coached Douglas High School, the two state champions. He's got multiple people that went to Division One college and played in the NBA. So, same as uh, Officer, well, I'm, I'm saying Officer, Detective Lawrence Smith um, of our Intel unit, um, who has been the coach of uh, Dunbar High School football and and I think he has seven state championships and and multiple people that are now NFL players that uh, and uh, hundreds of kids that played Division One football, Division Two, that just went on to college and that was under his tutelage of the school police officer yeah. who who took who, who took his uniform off and then became that coach and mentor to these students that were matriculating and playing um, high school sports. These these officers perform so many roles, from safety to law enforcement to mentoring to coaching, which you know I didn't even consider the coaching part of it. But uh, Baltimore is a unique city in many ways. And again, people who are listening from the parts of the United States and say, well, I don't live in Baltimore, we're going to talk more about what school resources officers do. That's what some people call them, school police in the case of uh, Baltimore City. And of course, lots of things. It's like going down memory lane talking with Clyde Boatwright uh, because I retired from the Baltimore City Police Department and uh, will always have a fondness in my heart for Baltimore. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We will be right back. 
Insurance rates based on a managed 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25. Policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee. Rates and underwriting criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with their rates read very low. And at the end, they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you something else. But we do promise to get you the best rates available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more from the Term Lifeline. Call now. 800-957-6068-800-957-6068-800-957-6068. That's 800-957-6068. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888 991 9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. In every community across the United States, towns, cities, states... We have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. From law enforcement officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, Feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. We made it so easy to get a hold of us, too. There's many different ways. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. The Contact Us page of the webpage. Download our free app on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can contact us through the free app. You can contact us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Heck, send me an email. My email address is J, that's J-A-Y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. You see, we'd love to hear your story. And we know, we hear so often, I have a story to tell, but no one will give me a platform. Law Enforcement Today is your platform. The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly, we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for 
Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. Back to the Law Enforcement Today show, I'm John J. Wiley, a retired Baltimore City Police Sergeant, and on the phone, Clyde Boatwright, who is a Baltimore City Schools Police Sergeant. It's kind of cool having the same sergeant to sergeant. Uh, you know, yeah, no one yeah, calls yeah. me. No one calls me that anymore. I've been trying to get my wife to call me Sarge forever, and she won't do it. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the and it's funny. I, I, I look forward to one day having a, the ability to um, get promoted to a white shirt uh, and and becoming a part of the administrative side of it. But the the most impact that you have over your organization is at the rank of sergeant. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have the, the most influence over, because you set the tone. Um, I had a great sergeant um, that, you know, before I, I even thought about trying to get promoted, he used to give me supervisory duties as far as being the OIC and go collect paperwork and look over the police report and find any errors and things like that. And I didn't know at the time that he was grooming me to replace him. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so you have the most impact as a sergeant by setting the tone. You know, your officers will not do anything that they should not be doing um, over the fear that you would come down on them. So in this profession, you know, being respected is one thing um, by your by your troops, but, but having that admiration and respect from your troops is, is a big thing. We always say that, you know, the sergeants – you can have all the, all the police commissioners you want. Uh, Baltimore just got another new one. I, I wish him well. Uh, I hope he does a good job. I'm but impressed by it. It's, uh, the, it's the sergeants who run the department. Uh, lieutenants above them, you know, they, they have a little bit of input. But, you know, we used to ask a lot of the men and women that work for us. And we used to ask that they do a lot for the communities they serve. And they, they endured a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. They're required to give back. You had to make sure they did a good job. They followed rules and regulations. But most importantly, you had to do your best to try to shape and mold them and discipline them in a way that kept them safe, you know, where they became you know, better at their job without jeopardizing their job. You know, I think back to uh, I think back to uh, April 27th of 2015 at uh, Mondawmin Mall. Um, during the middle of the riots and everything was going on and I had a, bl- a platoon of people that were under me and I remember um, looking up into one of my guys eyes and I didn't see fear I just saw concern and I looked at him and and I looked at him and I looked at him and then I said to him hey man this is fun isn't it I said we, we, we're going home today later on but right now we're, we're going to enjoy this moment now it wasn't a fun time but what I did was I used a little bit of psychology to, to reverse his mindset because he had concern. Because yeah. none of us knew what the rest of the day held. But I know we were under constant attack by brick and, and other things like that and other projectiles. But when I shifted his focus to, to focus back on the mission at hand, he snapped out of it. He said, yeah, Sarge, let's, let's do this. Let's yeah. do this. And that's part of the requirements of being a sergeant. And uh, by the way, my hat's off to the, the to those men and women that were there, my brothers and sisters that were there. We're referring to the riots that started after the Freddie Gray thing. And and by the way, I policed around Mondama Mall for a long time. 
Uh, it's been a very, very tough part of the city for a very, very long time. And uh, yeah. that was a real powder keg situation. And one of the things that never ceases to amaze me, if a police officer in Baltimore City does something, it's as if people feel they have free reign to attack anybody who wears a uniform. If a police officer yeah. in Philadelphia does something, they feel like they're entitled to attack a police officer in Baltimore. If some, someone in Baltimore does something, it's okay to be negative to a police officer in Los Angeles, as if we're all one big entity, and we're not. Yes, and, and you know, there should not be a community divide. And, and you know, the one thing that we have to do internally um, to move forward, I, you know, I, personally I have this, this thing against dancing cops and all of that stuff. Thank you for um, saying that. I, you know, I do appreciate I, I you that. saying that. If if we don't applaud everything they do, then we can't just say, "Oh, you know, he's it's great because he's dancing." And I'm I'm cleaning right, up my right, language right. because there's a lot to this job. Oh yes, yes, and, and you know, cops that I grew up with in the Western District, I knew their names. Mm -hmm. I, you know, like we knew the beat cops' name. We knew who worked the 724 post in the neighborhood that I grew up in. We knew those cops. We we knew the Brandon Beards. We knew the Larry Johnsons. We knew those guys. Mm -hmm. The Avon Mackles, those guys that patrolled the city in our district when I was a kid, we got to know them. And they took time to sometimes throw the football with us, but they weren't doing that just to try to get on our good side. I remember many nights, you know, the patrol guys stopping by, grabbing something to drink, sneaking in the house, grabbing a, a quick plate of food. You know, that house. happened to me all the time uh, in, oh, yeah. in Baltimore and Park Heights and Belvedere. People would invite you if they were to cook out. They'd invite yeah. you, and they all knew your name because you were there every day. Yes, yes. And I yes. don't know when that changed. I don't know when the concept of having a post officer that was there, and, and your job, I was taught early on, was you had to get to know as many people as possible, and they had to get to know you. Yes, yes. Well, I'll, I'll tell you where that changed. I, I kind of came into policing at around the time that this changed, when we had the push for our officers to, to put for stats. It was, you got 14 calls in the hole. You got to get to all 14 of these cars, um, calls. And then there's no, there's no time for you to get to know the community because you're going from call to call to call right. to call to report. And we have plenty and of days no like that. To build that. Yeah. We had plenty of times like that, but when we had free time, the best part was spending time with the kids. Oh, absolutely. 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 You get back to your conversation. Things changed. Obviously something changed. Uh, I, I have my theories. I think it came with police commissioners from the West Coast where they changed to a zone concept and everybody floated with a zone and you didn't have a post officer anymore. Yes, I think that was um, one of the detriments to, to policing in our city. Um, just, just having this, this concept of moving around and, and more of like a military style. Um, we just have numbers. You, you, you are your ID number as opposed to the individual. Whereas if Back in the day, if you tried to move one of those officers out of that particular district, then you had the community coming together saying, where's Officer Wiley at? Yeah. Why is he over in the Northwest now? He yeah. needs to come back over here yeah. to the Northeast. Yeah. You know, where the community would step up and say, and then you, you get a, uh, a call in to the, see the district command and they say, I don't know what you did to those people, but they want you back. Yeah. And you're going back. Which oftentimes made uh, getting <laughs> the choice assignments difficult. We are talking with Police Sergeant Clyde Boatwright from the Baltimore City School Police Department. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the Doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786. 800-932-1786. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit adoptuskids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Returning to our conversation with Clyde Boatwright. Clyde is a police sergeant in Baltimore City school police department and uh thank you again for your service and i really want to thank you for coming on the law enforcement today show uh i'm having such a good conversation and enjoying it so much because you're bringing back a lot of memories you know and <laughs> and fortunately for me there there are some bad memories and i try not to spend too much time on those uh, because where we worked was a very violent part of, of baltimore which is a very violent city and has been for a very long time and I'm not saying that because I want to get into analyzing it. Just it's the facts. But there was great memories of the people that I worked with. And for people who don't know Baltimore, Baltimore is a blue-collar town. and But there are pockets of Baltimore that have huge populations of incredible poverty and lack of opportunity. And with that, there's all kinds of negatives that Clyde and I could talk about probably for three hours. From absentee oh, yeah. landlords to... You name it. And I, I can tell you this, brother. I was working Park Heights and Woodland as a young police officer. And uh, it was like a Saturday morning. And they were auctioning off houses that people were renting. Yeah. And these are people that had been in these houses for 15, 20 years. And they're on their porch watching their house that they rent being auctioned to another absentee landlord, not knowing whether they have a place to live after that moment. And for oh, me, yeah. that was a crushing blow to witness. I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. You know, I, I have a unique story similar to that um, where when I was a deputy sheriff with the sheriff's office, we used to do rid of possessions, which is uh, when the houses are foreclosed on, we would go in and do the evictions and turn them over to the bank. Right. And we had like a 30 or 60-day window to, to schedule those. And I re- recall one day I, I pulled up to a house on Fair Street and this uh, lady answered the door and I said, hey, I'm called, you know, I'm the sheriff, I'm, I'm here and, and we're going to be doing a rid of possession of this, this property. And she looked at me, she said, oh my God, baby, she said, I'm living in this house for 50 years and I've rented from that man, his grandfather, right. his father, and now he has the property and he won't give me time. 
He won't, he's going to sell the house from under me. I was trying to get together the money to buy the house from him. And I thought about it. For 50 years, this person paid rent. Right. They probably paid that house off Three or four times. Yeah, at least. At least. At least. And she stayed there. She was an elderly lady, and she was scrapping to get the money to purchase the house when the landlord just let the property go, and it was repossessed by the bank. Mm -hmm. Now, what I I did was, of course, for compassion, you know, I was like, I can't let this go. I I called the bank and said, hey, you got to communicate with this lady. You know, there's a tenant in this house who's been living there for 50 years. Right. You know, so I know that's not one of the things we did, had discussed, we were going to discuss today, but, you know. But that's that something that police story, did all the time. It's the time, yeah. It, it goes yeah. back to our conversation about being a member of the community you served in. And people, for example, the post I work, one of the, the biggest honors you could be given as a young policeman in Baltimore City is when you were given a post to work. And... Uh, it was during, we rotated shifts every eight hours, so you had the same three basic police officers working that post every day of the year. When we were off, yeah. it was either one or two other officers. So everybody got to know your name. You got to know them. Uh, even in places where people didn't like the police, you walked in, you said hello, you you made yourself visible, uh, and, and you just learned so much about the community. So somewhere along the way, and this is not just a Baltimore thing. This is happening in cities all around the United States. This okay. has changed, and people want to blame it on the police officers when it comes from higher up. Correct. You're absolutely correct. You know, I, I, one of the things that I was taught um, my first day, again, like I said, was with the sheriff's office, the old retired city police. He said, there's uh, two things you need to know when you go uh, to your to your post. You need to know where to go to the bathroom yeah. and where to get something to eat. Yes. He said, everything else about this job you're going to learn. Yeah. And he said, you have arrived when the people in the community that you police give you a nickname. Uh-huh. Oh, we all had and, nicknames too, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They give you a nickname. It, it, it usually has something to do with your, your name or, or a specific event that you were involved in. But, you know, I remember, you know, the, the, the kids at Carver, they, you know, gave me a nickname when I was assigned to Carver, which was my alma mater and where I coached basketball. Um, you know, they gave me a nickname. You know, sometimes they call me Boat. Sometimes they call me, you know, because my name is Boat Right. They right. call me Boat Boat Wrong. Uh-huh. Or, or you know, just little Coach Boat, you know, Coach Boat Right and things like that. So so to, to have those relationships in schools um, is something that our officers tend to build on a regular basis. They These are lifelong friendships. I mean, I got I've got kids that are 30 years old with their own children in schools that have my cell phone number and call me and say, you know, why do y'all do things different than when I was in school? Yeah. You know, you, you guys used to be involved in stuff, and why is this such a hands-off approach now? And you know, these advocacy groups that are against policing and that there's a war on cops. If, Absolutely, if people have not have not noticed. Um, you know, it's a it's an attack, and especially with my with my department, they started with disarming our police. Um, you know, to have that vote where it was 10-0 by, by the school board to, to disarm or to maintain the prohibition of our officers carrying weapons, that is a symbol of what is going on nationally. You know, to say that people should uh, would, would fear police being armed, that causes people to, to, to be subjected 
minorities to be subjected to the school of prison pipeline. Right. When I start hearing those taglines and and the playbook that these people use, and they're always the victim. Like, you know, our issue is we are not trying to have firearms on us during our tour tour duty to use them against students. It's to use them against the scumbags like the guy, and I'm not going to mention his name, that came into a high school and tried to kill one of the staff members of Baltimore City Public Schools. Yeah. A A guy who had three months ago had killed his own cousin, a guy who two years ago had had slit the throat of, of his eight-year-old cousin, and he was still allowed to be on the streets of Baltimore. These are the type of guys that our officers confront. Yeah, and that's, that's a theme throughout the United States. I hear it from so many people. We always say that the average prison sentence for someone in Baltimore for murder is eight years. And they usually do three. So you can encounter someone who's had multiple murder convictions. Of course, it's all plea bargained down. uh, But that's the reality of what's happening in many of our American cities. And our law enforcement officers are ones that have to deal with these people all the time. And the good news is they're they're not a big part of the population. It's a small, small percentage. But those are the ones that will take your life. Those are the ones that will will cause you life-changing, drastic, catastrophic injuries. Well, you know, and then you have the naysayers to say, well, if the school police officer that worked the building would have had his weapon, there would have been a gunfight in the hallway and some student could have got innocently hit. Well, here's a fact. When that guy started firing off his gun, he didn't care about any students. He didn't he didn't care about anybody else getting injured because some of his rounds went through the wall. The only thing he wanted to do was kill they intend to target. And the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with right. a gun. I always said, people, it would, especially when you have, and I'm not an expert like you, but when you have someone attacking a school or a, a location with soft targets, for lack of better words, uh, they have a game plan. They, they, Their goal is to be aggressive, to hurt as many people as possible. And the only thing that will cause them to get out of their game plan is to force them to be defensive by putting you know, lead down range. you gotta, you got to actively engage these people. Absolutely. And the one thing I always tell people, that the layperson, and I say, if you look at criminals or any of the major criminals and you debrief them, they had a plan. And their plan did not include being confronted by a police officer or getting caught. Right. They had a plan, and in their plan, they were going to be successful in carrying out whatever act that they wanted to carry out. Like, this gentleman didn't, well, I, I use the term lightly, this gentleman, this suspect, this animal, he did not factor in that he was going to miss with the first shot that he fired at the head of the staffer um, to where when he missed and then there was a fight for the gun, he was lucky to get off the other two shots that struck the staffer, but the staffer was in good condition, uh, good physical condition, in order to hold him until the authorities got there. And then he fought with our officers once they got there. Right. And they had to do this unarmed. What, we had one guy that had to, uh, that was unarmed. Uh, he had two supervisors. His sergeant just happened to be in a conference with him, dealing with um, some out-of-control students. And they were in a conference with parents when they heard the discharge inside the hallway. And, you know, you've, you've had experience with firearms. When you hear auto, a semi-automatic handgun going off inside of a school, it sounds like a cannon. Absolutely. It sounds like it's right wherever you are because of the echo of the hallway. 
Well, do me a favor. We are out of time. Clyde, please pass on to uh, everyone that you work with in the Baltimore City Schools Police Department. My thanks. Uh, Please continue to keep in touch, and we'd be more than happy to have you back on the show in the future. Oh, I thank you so much for having me, and we really, really appreciate your support. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.